So good to see you all, and um, I just got some exciting things to share with you. So I don't know where to start because so many amazing things have been happening. Um, how many of you watched online and you heard the story about the treasure? A really amazing uh, story, an amazing testimony of what happened. And for some time now, I've been saying this, and I, I really, I want you, AC, if I want you to hear it and really just grasp it, okay? And that is that amazing things happen when your spirit is revived. When you're walking in a revived walk with God, when your spirit is revived, just the most amazing things happen. And the most amazing things happen not only in the kingdom, but the most amazing things happen to you. Is that all right? So amazing things happen when you're revived, when your spirit is revived, when you're in that place. How many of you know that when your spirit is low, when you're kind of, you know, just struggling in your walk with God, it just seems like everything else struggles as well. But when you're revived, it's almost like things just happen. You know, I was listening to a lady one day and she said that she visited this place uh, where there was a great revival happening. She said the most non-administrative the most disorganized place you've ever been to in your life. It's like nobody knows what they're doing, yet everything is exceptionally coordinated and well-run because of the spirit of revival that's in the house. And she said it was like the Holy Spirit makes up for it. And so amazing things happen when you're revived. So this week, it was Thursday, I think, Pastor Debbie and son, Pastor David, sent me a message, please can we speak to you? And then they gave me an update of what's happening in the church since I was there. And it's just amazing the things that are happening. They came online and they said, God's doing incredible things here since you left. And it's just amazing. And so they said, okay, start with it. Who's this? And they turned the camera and there's this young guy by the name of Reuben. Now, Reuben was studying, I think, the genealogy of Jesus or just Jewish genealogies. He's a very intelligent young man, and he's studying it with some university. He's American, but he's in England, and I think he was doing some studies there. And he was due to come to South Africa now and work in Stellenbosch University with some group. And uh, so they said, who is this? And I'm looking, and here's young Reuben sitting with him in the lounge. And I'm going, hey, brother, what are you doing? And then they said, where is he supposed to be? And I said, no, he was supposed to be in South Africa now. So then he comes on to the phone. He comes and stands in front of the camera. And he said, oh, my goodness. And now the last service, I just felt to lay hands and prophesy of everybody. And I clearly remember that when this young man, Reuben, came and he stood in front of me and I put my hands on him, it was like I was looking at a television screen. And I said, brother, you're going in this direction, but God's going to take you in that direction. And I just prophesied into that, you know, about how eventually God will use him to take from one stream, pour into another stream, flows of revival and things like this. And he's standing, he's a very quiet guy. So here's Reuben. And I'm prophesying this over him, that this change of direction is going to come. So he said to me, no, he said, after the conference, I went back to England, and God impressed it upon me, and it was so urgent that I should pray. And he said, and the praying, he said, I've never experienced it. It was supernatural praying. And he said, and suddenly God spoke to me, and he said to me, he said, I'm changing your whole direction. And he said, you're not going to South Africa, and you're not pursuing this. He said, you're going to go back to Castle Douglas, and you're going to be part of what I'm doing in that church. 
And he said, and here I am. I don't know what's going to happen after this. He said, but it's exciting, and I'm here for the ride, you know. And uh, it's an incredible thing. Another lady visited from another city in England. She phoned them and said, God's spoken to me. I'm joining the ministry, and I'm coming up to be a part of what God is doing. Come on, church. Turn to the person next to you and say, amazing things happen when you are? When you're revived. Amen. So, right. So, then Debbie says this. I was in town. And this lady came up to me. She said, I was just keeping it quiet. She said, I was just checking it out, but I was going to phone you. Now, remember the lady I told you about, the lung disease that was terminal. And his hands would go black. The extremities would go pitch black, dark black, because of no circulation. So I called this, and this first lady came forward, and she said, I've got very bad emphysema. And um, I said, that's great. Let's just pray for you. But I knew there was someone else. So I prayed for her, laid hands on her, and it also affected somehow her arms. And I think it's because of the lack of oxygenation and things like this. Prayed for her, prayed for her arms. And I took her by the hand. I said, I'll give you life in Jesus. Now I said, take a deep breath. She took a breath. And I said, breathe again. She did. Breathe again. She did. And I said, now you stand here in the presence of God and you keep breathing. Then this other lady stood up. And when I walked toward her, the power of God hit her. So the update is this, that this lady who I prayed for first bumped into Debbie in town, Pastor Debbie, and she said, I just want to tell you that and either she is currently a nurse or she was a nurse. She said, but I am totally healed of emphysema, totally healed. No medicine, no medicine. And she said, and because I'm a nurse, I know. She said, I keep checking my oxygen levels and they're right up there. She says, they're not going down, they're right up there. Come on, say something like glory to God, hallelujah. Come on, we're expecting greater things, Amen. And then I said, what about Cecilia? They said, they're still waiting for her to go for her x-ray. So she said, but she's dancing, twirling. She's running around like a spring chicken. And still to now, her extremities have not gone black. And her doctor is going like, you know, we've ordered the x-ray, but she's healed. She's healed. Amen? And so powerful things are happening, and it's continuing to happen. Amen? Amen. So I just want you to know that when I was there, for those of you who didn't know, that when I was in Castle Douglas with this first lady, Celia, when she came back the next day and she said, I had no coughing bouts in the night and I woke up in the morning and my hands were not black, swollen and not able for me to bend them. She said, every morning I wake up pink. And of course, when she shared that the first day, they've got a fire alarm like this in the church. See this one here? And I want you to know, how many of you didn't hear the story of that fire alarm? So anyway, let me just tell you. All right. So she comes up, and she gives a testimony, and I mean, the power of God hit her, and before I even got to her, I walked like this, and she was standing in the rows, and when I got to you, like as the power of God hit, she just fell, bang, down, in the, and everyone's looking at her. She came dancing in, twirling the next day, skipping and jumping, right up to one of the leaders who's actually her GP, and she said, no coughing bouts. My hands didn't go black. My feet didn't go black. She said, I feel fantastic. I mean, her face, you can see life in her face. There's no anguish. There's no stress. There's no nothing. Amen. And uh, so when she shared her testimony, they've got in their church a firebell just like that one because it used to be a hardware, and they used to store planks and things like that. And so it was a manual one so that if anybody saw a fire break out, they would... They would sound the alarm. When they bought the church, they decided they're going to keep the bell. And anytime anybody was healed, they would ring the bell. So after Cecilia got healed, 
Isn't that awesome? So they ring the bell. I'm going like, Jesus, I love that thing. Now I'm resisting the temptation to hint, you know, because as we know, faith without a hint is dead, isn't it? So I'm resisting the temptation to hint. And I'm going, the whole weekend, that was the Friday night, I prayed for the Saturday night, and we still got two more services to go. And I'm standing there going like, every now and then I'll stand and look at the Bible and go, Lord Jesus, I want one of those. I'm going to get one of those. I'm going to get back to South Africa and I'm going to Google. So the last night, this brother, his name is Roger, came up to me and said, oh, you blessed my life, you touched me, God really touched me. I prayed for his heart and he's looking fantastic. And he comes up and he gives me a plastic bag. And I said, thank you, it's just a little gift from me. And I take the bag and it's like, Oh, my word. And I look inside, and it's our own bell. I mean, how awesome is that? So I've renovated it and whatever. How many of you can see it's two arrows with a fire in the middle? For next Sunday, it's going to have where the arrows are, it's got healings and miracles. Amen. Amen? So when anybody is healed in this church, we're going to ring the bell. And we, everybody's going to get healed. And you're going to get excited. All right. You're going to get excited. Okay. So we're going to just do a practice run and I'm going to ring it prophetically for all those in the church who've been healed, in particular Tertia who was healed of cancer. Remember she shared last week. All right. So are you ready? Okay. Are you ready? It's prophetic. Ready, steady, go. Hallelujah. So anytime there's a healing, anytime there's a miracle, we're going to ring the, ring the bell. Hallelujah. So there's one other that I want to just share with you. But before we do, I want to just touch on something that it's the theme of our conference. I want you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 33. Isaiah is an amazing, amazing book. In fact, the book of Revelation relies heavily on the book of Isaiah. So you all ready? Isaiah chapter 33, and I'm going to read from verse 19 to 24. Are you all good? In the NIV translation. So the theme of the conference. And then I'm going to just go here and there. I've done some prep on it. But I just want to speak more prophetically this morning out of it. Is that okay? So look at this. 33 verse 19. It's in the New King James. You will see those arrogant people no more. So just hold that verse there for me. And um, the thing is, Isaiah was writing these chapters not long after 701 BC, when King Sennacherib and the Assyrians invaded, the northern kingdom of Israel had been destroyed. Samaria was all gone, and it later became Samaria. But the northern kingdom of Israel was completely destroyed. He made two excursions into Judah, and he even besieged and attacked Jerusalem, but King Sennacherib never took Jerusalem. One occasion, Hezekiah actually paid him a huge tribute of gold plundered the temples, even stripped the gold off the doors, and gave it to Sennacherib just to keep him appeased and at peace and not attack them. I don't know if you remember the story, when he heard a rumor coming from Egypt, and then he left. And then later, when he came back again, he left, and then he was killed. But this is what God says. You will not see a fierce people, a people of obscure speech beyond perception of a stammering tongue that you cannot understand. In other words, what God was saying, this enemy that you've seen, you shall see no longer. Now, I want you to put on your prophetic ears, and I want you to listen, because 
I really believe because of what is happening in ACF, because of the rising sort of temperature, the just increasing level of the Holy Spirit, these things happen in revival. Remember I said to you, if you keep yourself revived and if we as a church are revived, amazing things happen when there's revival around. Was that okay? Amazing things happen. So in other words, the same as when Egypt was pursuing the children of Israel, God said to them, the enemy that you see today, you will not see ever again. And so God repeats this, and I like what in course he says, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, we can now quote those verses and say, Lord, this enemy of sickness that's facing me, this enemy of no job, this enemy of you know, financial pressure that's facing me, Lord, I take you at your word, and I declare that I will never see this enemy again. Amen. I will not see them again. All right. So that's the background. The background to the verses that I'm going to read is that God is speaking to Jerusalem and saying, look, I want you to understand that you were invaded and was really close. And there's a potential being invaded again. But basically what he was saying is if you walk with me, if you keep your relationship with me, you are not going to see this enemy again. Is that okay? So that's the context, and it's the context for our conference. So let's go to verse 20. And it says, look upon Zion. Now remember, Zion was the mountain, and Zion is a picture of Israel. But as we progress through the Bible, it becomes a picture not only of Israel, but it becomes a picture of the church of Jesus Christ. Because the church of Christ is made up of Jew and Gentile. Is that okay? But in Christ, we don't count nationality because we are all one in Christ. We don't even count gender because there's neither male nor female, Galatians chapter 3. Is that all right? Isaiah chapter 2, in the last days, the last days, you shall establish Zion as the chief amongst the mountains and the highest of all hills. Hebrews chapter 12, you've not come to a mountain that can be touched and that's burning with fire. In other words, we're not going back to Sinai. We're not going back to the old covenant, he says, but you have come unto Mount Zion. And amongst the descriptions of it is the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem. And so this is what we've come to. So look upon Zion, the city of our appointed feasts. Well, there we are, Pastor John. It must be the Jerusalem that exists in Israel. No, no, it's not. Because every feast was accomplished in Christ. Every single, okay? Your eyes will see Jerusalem. And what will it be? A quiet home, a tabernacle that will not be taken down. In other words, it will be a tent that shall never be dismantled. It's a tabernacle because the tabernacle was the habitation of God. So listen prophetically. That will not be taken down. Not one of its stakes will ever be removed, nor will any of its cords ever be broken. Church, we can take that for ourselves. Nothing shall come against you. Nothing shall destroy you. You will not be taken down. Amen. And of course, for the church of Jesus Christ worldwide, it doesn't matter how many enemies come against the church. They can even use COVID to try and shut us down. They can use any other thing. But the church of Jesus will never, never, never be destroyed. He said, I will build my church. I will build it. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. Amen. And so prophetically, it looks beyond, you know, the cross. And it looks right across to the New Testament. It looks even to our day and beyond. Okay. Let's go to the King James translation to verse 21, and then we'll just start to move from there. I just, I think it's really awesome. Look at verse 21. It's really amazing. So let me read verse 21. 21 in the King James translation says, but they're the glorious Lord. Now, whenever you see the glorious Lord, he's referred to as the Lord of glory. 
as well. Even James refers to him as the Lord of glory. And so they're the glorious Lord. Yow. The glorious Lord. So let's just ponder on the glorious Lord or the Lord of glory. Isn't it very interesting that in Isaiah, let me prefix it by saying this. The glorious Lord. So let me prefix it by saying this. God will be the Savior of Jerusalem. God will be our Savior, Savior of the church, and our glorious Lord. The reason is that God can be our glorious Lord because He's a gracious Lord. Is that okay? God was being gracious to the people of Israel. And therefore, because of His grace, He can be a glorious Lord to us. Amen? Because His goodness is His glory. Just go and look at Exodus 33. When Moses said, show me your glory, God said, I'll show you all my goodness. So the goodness of God and the glory of God are synonymous. And so because he's graciously good to us, he can reveal his glory. I love this. In Isaiah 42 verse 8, you can write the references down. In Isaiah 48 verse 11, and then you can go and look up the context. God says this, that my glory I will not give to another. You know, and often people, New Testament people, quote that verse, my glory will I not give to another. Now, of course, when God does things, we make sure he gets the glory. Isn't that right? And we just say, if people are healed, we just say God gets the glory because we know it's him. And if God does anything, we say, you know, the glory, the praise, the honor goes to God. But that's not what he's talking about because God wanted to share his glory. God wanted to give his glory. So in those two references where he says, my glory, I will not give to another. What he's saying, read the context, read the context, both chapters, you will see he's saying, I will not give my glory to another people other than the ones that I've given it to. Okay. I'm not going to share it with your idols and your idolatry, but I'm going to share my glory with another group of people. And so I'll be picking up on this in the conference that Saturday morning. All right, so God wants to share his glory. Is that okay? Pastor John, have you got a verse for that? I'm so glad you asked because I'd love to give you a verse. Amen. So let's just skip all the others. Let's go to John 17 verse 22. And you will see when Jesus prays his high priestly prayer, there's two things. There's two things that Jesus said, I've given them. One or three things. The one thing is he said, I've given them your word. The other thing is because they received the word. The other thing he said, I've given them your name. What was the name he gave them? Not El Elion, not Elohim, not El Shaddai. He gave them the name Father. Is that okay? In other words, we can speak to God as our Father. In other words, because we are his children, putting it in the male form of the gender is that we are all sons of God through faith in Christ. So he gave us the name Father. And because of that, because we are now children of God, he says in verse 22, there it is, and the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them. So Isaiah 32 and 48, God says, I will not give my glory to another, any other people. Who is going to get the glory? My people. Yes. Amen. So he gave us his glory. Amen. What was the purpose and the outcome of that glory? That we may be one with him, even as he is one with the Father. Amen. And because we share in the same glory, we can be one this way. Yes. Amen. But it's unity this way first. Yes. It's one this way first. And so he's given us the glory. Yes. 
And he says, I've given them the glory. And not only that, I love this, John 1, 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his what? Glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. And that glory was what? Full of? Can you see? Grace and glory. Grace and truth. Because he's gracious, he came and he revealed his truth to us so that what? We can participate in his glory. And that he's now shared his glory with us. That we can become sons and daughters of the most high God. I mean, that's amazing. Now, I want you to notice this. We beheld his glory, the glory as of, as of the only begotten of the Father. Remember, I touched on it a little while ago. And I said that he was the only begotten. Jesus was the only begotten of God until he went onto the cross, died and rose again. When he rose again, he became the firstborn amongst many brethren. So now we have been begotten again by the living word of God. Amen. Now, Hebrews 2, he's brought many sons and daughters unto glory. Amen. So we're in that glory now. Hallelujah. And so we behold the glory. And what we behold, we can become. Amen. I love it. Don't you just love it? Okay. But not only that, Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 1, and he talks about the fact that the men of all the prophets searched diligently with greatest care through the scriptures to see when the spirit of Christ in them was indicating, when they spoke of first the sufferings and then the glory. So first Christ must suffer, and then he would reveal the glory. Paul says it in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, as long as Moses is read, the veil remains. But if anybody turns to the Lord, and the Lord is the Spirit, comes to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And then what happens to that person? They then behold, in the face of Christ, the glory of God, and we are being transformed into His image and likeness, from glory to glory, with ever-increasing glory. I mean, that's amazing. Isn't that right? So, Isaiah chapter 33, back to verse 21. So there, the glorious Lord. Okay, does that make more sense now? Isn't it amazing? All these different words in the Bible. You can preach whole sermons on a word. But there, the glorious Lord. It's very interesting that what Isaiah is talking about, and I know where this verse is going and we'll get there, but what Isaiah is also talking about is not only will he reveal his glory in us, but he will reveal his glory through us. Is that okay? Through us. And so the testimonies in the UK, the testimonies here, is the glory of God being revealed through us. Is that okay? And so if we look at John chapter 2, the first miracle was turning the water into wine at Cana of Galilee. And I, I just, I love it, because in verse 11, he says, this beginning of miracles. What do he say? The beginning of the miracles. In other words, there's a continuation. John chapter 2, verse 11. This beginning of miracles. In other words, there's more to come. I mean, there's more to come here. 
Okay, John chapter 2, verse 11. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee. And it says, and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Wow. Every time he healed the lepers, any time he healed the sick, any time he opened blind eyes, any time he opened the deaf, the mute, any time a cripple walked, he was manifesting his glory. Amen? Amen? Amen. And whenever we hear testimonies of people being healed, it's him. He's manifesting his glory. Is it okay? Tell the person next to you, he's manifesting his glory through you. Amen? Come on. Tell the person next to you, you can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You manifest his glory. Woo! Hallelujah. And so that's the glorious Lord. So back to Isaiah chapter 33, verse 21. You getting something so far? Okay. All right. Now look at this in Isaiah 33, verse 21. He says, there the glorious Lord. I just love this. He says, there the glorious Lord. Um, where will the there be? It'll be in the Jerusalem, in the Zion of his church. Where? There. The glorious Lord will be unto us. And I want you to catch this because it's very subtle, but it's very important. He's not saying that Zion and Jerusalem will be, although he is saying it will be. He's saying, there the glorious Lord will be unto us. He will be. He will be a place of broad rivers and streams. He will be. Are you with us, church? So whenever we get together and the presence of God is in this place, He is being to us. A place of broad streams and rivers. Amen. Amen. So it's him himself. It's his spirit. And it says, Wherein shall go no galley with oars, neither shall gallon ships pass thereby. The only reason why I'm mentioning it now is for those that are reading ahead of me and going ahead and trying to figure out that verse. Okay, so let me tell you that verse and then I'll go back to the first part. In other words, what God is saying through the prophet is that, because you remember Jerusalem was not situated on a river or a stream. For example, it mentions in Nahum chapter 3 verse 8, you know, that you are not like Thebes, you know, on the river Nile. But Babylon sat on the river Euphrates. And so the river was a place of blessing because it could be a source of commerce. But at the same time, you are vulnerable because enemy ships can come up the river. So God is saying, you know, in that place with you guys, I'm going to be a place to you of broad rivers and streams. And it's going to be all blessing. No enemy will be able to come up. Are you all happy? Amen. You cannot be invaded. Amen. You cannot be infiltrated. You cannot be brought down. Come on, church. I don't know about you, but me, I find that exciting. Amen. Look, if we understand this stuff, we've got to say, God, you've said in your word. You know, we can quote other verses, but now we've got more verses to quote in our armory. Amen. Amen. We can quote more verses. We can say, Lord, you said that you would be to me a place of broad rivers and streams, and it's blessing that you're speaking. And the enemy can't come and steal and plunder anymore. Amen. Cannot bring sickness anymore. So the Lord will be a place of what? Broad rivers and streams. Eww, I love it. And so two pictures are implied here. And you know and I know that in Genesis 1, the picture is of a garden, but the garden has got a river in it. Is that okay? And so... Adam did what Adam did and Eve, and basically the perfection of the garden was lost. And the whole purpose from then on was God sending Christ to restore what was true of the garden. So he came 
to restore the trees. That's us. So when we get saved, we are now oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. So we are born again because now we've eaten of the tree of life. We had eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but now we've eaten of the tree of life, Jesus. Amen. He's the tree of life. So we've eaten of him, and so we are living, and now we are trees of life. We are oaks of righteousness. So we speak words that is fruit, but in the fruit has got seeds that are planted into other people's lives. I can't go back to that teaching. Everybody following me so far? So there's trees. The second thing God had to do was to restore the river. And so he restores the river. Remember the river in the Garden of Eden broke out into four headwaters. Pishon, Gihon, Tigris, Euphrates. If you take the meaning of those four words, put them together, it's increased, bursting forth, rapid fruitfulness. Amen. Amen. And so God says, I'm restoring the river. That's why Ezekiel 47, Ezekiel sees the river. Amen. Getting ever deeper because he's looking down through history. And he's going to say the flow of God is just increasing and increasing and increasing and increasing. Come on. We live in good days. Amen. It's increasing. And let me just say this, that wherever the spirit is flowing, angels are present. Because an angel was somehow involved in the stirring of the water of Bethesda. The angel was the one that was measuring off a thousand and saying, go through again. Go deeper. Go deeper, son of man. Go deeper. <laughs> Amen. Come on. Look at the person next to you and say, we're going to go deeper. Yeah. Come on. I mean, the whole of heaven is encouraging us. The angels are coming, just measuring a thousand. Say, come on, Pastor John. There's, you know, there's some few miracles. Come on. Let's just go on to the more. Let's go deeper. Amen. I don't want to just wade in ankle deep water. I want to go the uncrossable river. Because that's where the fish are. That's where the trees are. That's where the life is. Amen. It's really incredible. But the Ezekiel 47 prophecy, the beginning of its fulfillment, was in a little place in Samaria. Outside a town. Where Jesus went and sat on the wall of a well. And the disciples went into town to get something to eat. And Jesus is sitting there. And a Samaritan woman comes and he says, can you give me something to drink? You know, you a Jew and a man asking me, a woman, a Samaritan, people you despise for something to drink. But Jesus didn't have that prejudice, neither against female, neither against any other nationality. Amen. Amen. And they said, if you knew who it was asking you for a drink, you would ask him. And he would give you the gift of eternal life that you'd never thirst again. Amen? And, and she gets saved. So what was happening? Because he said, the water that I give will spring up in you and become a well. So what was Jesus saying? Ezekiel's prophecy is about to come to fulfillment. The river is starting to flow. And John 7, 37, any man thirsty, let him come to me, verse 37 and 8. Any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink, and out of his inmost being will flow rivers woo, of living water. Come on. So Isaiah 33, 21, and the glorious Lord will be a place of broad streams and rivers. So the second thing he's restoring is the river. Is that okay? And a third thing that he restored, and that was the message I preached before I left, he's restoring our dominion. He's restoring our authority. Amen. Amen. 
and we're in the right time for that, that we can speak. We are not nepios little children who don't know how to speak. We are mature adult sons and daughters of God, and we know how to speak the Word of God. Amen? And so he's restoring our authority. So let's just keep talking about it. So Psalm chapter 1, like a tree planted by rivers of living water, is the one, the person that doesn't walk in wickedness but meditates on God's word. Jeremiah 17, Psalms talks about it as well. And many other places, we are trees planted by rivers of living water. So there are two pictures in the scripture by rivers that God uses. The first one is trees and the second one is the city. Both, he's trying to show us, as an individual or as a corporate group of people, a body of believers, if we walk with God, he's there and he's a place of broad streams and rivers. Amen. Amen. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm wanting this stuff. I mean, I really want this stuff. So it'll be a place to us of broad streams and rivers. And so it speaks of, it's very interesting, Nahum chapter 3 verse 8. He says, are you better than Thebes situated on the Nile with water all around her? The river was her defense, the waters her war. Isn't that awesome? Because it's like God will be our moat. We'll have to think of around where there shall be no boat. If you try to cross it, you shall float away. Anyway. Very bad, very bad. But anyway, you get the idea. (laughs) In other words, God is saying, I'll surround you. I'll be a moat to you. The enemy can't cross. The enemy can't get to you. I will be a wall to you. Amen. Amen. I mean, I just love it. Hallelujah. So Psalm 46 verse 1. Here it is again. And, And I love this. You know when Psalm 46 was written? Some theologians say it was written around the time the story of that Jehoshaphat, you know, the Second Chronicles 20, 22, something like that. It was written around then. But other scholars say this was written exactly the same time as Isaiah 33, Psalm 46. Listen to Psalm 46. It's lovely. God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way, And the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, the mountains quake with their surging. That's all the world and all the nations and things like that. There is a a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place wherein the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. That's Psalm 46, 1 to 5, and I read that in the NIV. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. God is within her. She shall not fall. So there should be at least just a little bit of joy in the city. Amen. There should be maybe some smiles in the city of God because he's within her. Amen. Come on, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Come on, sometimes we're not happy, but we have got joy. So he's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's Romans chapter 14. And so when he is there, 
and is a place of broad streams. I love it in the Hebrew, it basically says from hand to hand. In other words, from bank to bank, from one hand to the other side, God is a place of broad streams and rivers. Amen? Broad rivers and streams. And so Psalm 46. So I'm just giving you now a few of the results. Are you ready? So that first one was a result of God being in the city is that not only is there protection, not only does he defend us, but God also brings us joy. Amen. Amen. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Amen. And so we should be the happiest people on the face of the planet. We should be the calmest, the most at peace, the most unstressed, the most unviolated by what we hear happening out in the world. Amen. We should be the happiest people on earth saying, God is with us. He's a place of broad streams and rivers. God is within us. We will not fall. Amen. It doesn't matter what they try to do. They tried to destroy the church many times. They even killed people. But the blood of the martyrs became the seed of the church. And we're here because somebody paid with their life. And it goes back to someone who paid for his life on the cross. Amen. Hallelujah. I love this. Psalm 65 verse 9. And this whole psalm is beautiful. But I'll just read one verse. NIV. You care for the land. That's for his people. You water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain, for so you have ordained it. And look at this. You care for the land. You water it. You enrich it abundantly. Come on, church, we can take that for ourselves. You know that song we used to sing, Yay, back when? If you're thirsty and dry. Lift your hands to the sky. It's beginning to rain. You remember that? And so God cares for us. He enriches us abundantly. There's really no reason for us to be waterless. So let me just touch on that verse in the Bible, you know, where it says, you know, if a demon is cast out and all of that kind of thing, comes back with seven others, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I love that verse because it says that the demon goes looking for waterless places. Some of you got it. He's not looking for places where there's lots of water. So if you're having demonic dreams, demonic attacks, demonic, and the devil's really attacking you, just get watered. Just lift up and just, and they'll leave of their own accord and go and look for waterless places. Amen. Amen. Come on, they'll go and find Christians that are operating in their own flesh and their, their naturalness. But they can't handle believers who are so full of the Holy Ghost because it exposes them. Amen. One prayer line somewhere I was Somewhere when I was in the UK, I was praying for somebody, praying for a line of people. It was just amazing how people were just getting set free. Just no commands, no get outs, no nothing. Just because of the level of water. Amen. Just because of the river, river flowing. Amen. It's just like, whoosh. Amen. 
So you care for the land, you water it, you enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain, for so you have ordained it. That's not only financial blessing. It's not only economic blessing. But how many of you know, because when the Spirit comes on the Word, the Word becomes alive in us, and the Word becomes productive in us. Amen? Amen? And so he gives us grain because we read the word and it's like, oh my goodness, this is, wow, what a word. This is a now word. This is a rhema word. This is a relevant word to me. And he's just giving us grain. He's just giving us grain. Amen. Come on, it's oil to make the face shine. Isn't that right? It's wine to gladden the heart. <laughs> and then it's bread to sustain the spirit of the man, says David in the Psalms. Hallelujah. Awesome. And so Isaiah 35, I'm heading down to a close. Isaiah 35 or 6. Look what he says there. Then will be, and you can go and read it. Read it in context. I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. Forget the former things. I'm doing a new thing. There it is. Then will the lame leap like a deer, and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Amen. Now, I don't know about you, if we're too afraid to take that as physical healing, but I'm telling you, the lame will walk. Amen. Amen. We had a lady visiting us last week. I didn't see her husband with her. He was the one that got out of his wheelchair, sitting right at the back there where Godfrey is. I said we should have bought the wheelchair and mounted it up on the thing. Amen. But he got out of his wheelchair. He's working now. And according to the doctors, there should have still been another two years in being sitting in the... In the thing. Come on, the lame shall walk, the mute tongue will shout for joy. But here's the other thing. You know, if your walk had been so affected by the work of the enemy, when he pours water on you, your walk will change. Amen. Your enthusiasm will change because you'll start to leap like a deer. And your mute tongue where you couldn't praise God, you had nothing to praise God for, you're going to have a lot to praise God for now. Because waters will gush forth. So these are some of the results, church, of the Spirit of God coming. Isaiah 43, verse 19 and 20. See, again, here it is. I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen. Amen. So come on. If he's given us water to drink, we're his people, we're his chosen. If there's a wasteland, we can just drink because Isaiah 33, 21, there, there, the glorious Lord will be a place of broad streams and rivers. Come on, church. You don't have to wait for anything more. Such is the atmosphere. It's here also because of the word. We're in the days of the New Testament. You can drink anytime. Amen. There is no excuse for us being thirsty. And without any time, we can just drink and 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 drink until the water flows out of us. Amen. Hallelujah. So that was 43. Isaiah 44. Woo! You can even drink now. So Isaiah 44, verses 3 and 4 says, For I will pour water on the thirsty land. You know, there's only one, only one condition to all of this, and there's been several verses read. It's if you're thirsty. 
the greatest thing that you can pray for yourself for is, God, make me thirsty, make me hungry. Amen. I'll pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessings on your descendants. I don't know about you, but I want my offspring and my descendants going for God. But it means that we as the parents need to drink. We as the grandparents need to drink. You understand what I'm saying? It's no good saying, you need some religion, go to church, kids. No, no, you've got to go. You get thirsty. You get full of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Because God likes to work in families and down generations. So let's get full of the Holy Ghost, and then God will pour His Spirit out on our children. Amen? They will inherit it, if you understand what I'm saying. They will get it. Come on. And so... Isaiah 32. Oh, listen to what it says. They will spring up like grass in a meadow, the poplar trees by flowing streams. In other words, they will flourish. Isaiah 32 verses 1 and 2. Behold, a king shall reign in righteousness, and princes shall rule in judgment. This is Isaiah 32. Each one will be like a shelter from the wind and a refuge from the storm. Each one. Each person. I don't know, but doesn't that make you excited now? Because it's like, it's not just Pastor John. It's not just the leaders. This is you. Each man, each woman will be like a shelter from the wind. When? When you drink. Shall be like a shelter from the wind and a refuge from the storm. Listen to this. Each person will be like streams of water in the desert and the shadow of a great rock in a thirsty land. So that's you. Come on. Everybody say, that's me. That's me. That's me. What will you be like? You'll be like a refuge from wind. You will be streams of water in the desert. You will be a rock that gives shade in the wilderness, in a thirsty land. Amen? But that's if you drink. If you drink. I can't drink for you. Amen? Bobby Lejeune can't drink for you. Ellen Cannon cannot drink for you. We cannot, the person next to you cannot drink for you. You need to drink for yourself. You need to get into the presence of God and you need to start imbibing more of Him. Amen. You need to fill yourself up and then you become that. Isn't that awesome? I think this is brilliant stuff, man. Man, if you were preaching and I was listening, I'd be jumping up, running around by now. Yeah. That's me. Amen. All right, so Isaiah 32, until the Spirit be poured upon us from on high and the wilderness be a fruitful, Psalm 32, 15 to 20, and then I'm finished, and the wilderness be a fruitful field and the fruitful field be counted for a forest, so in other words, the fruitful field will become a forest full of trees, then judgment shall dwell in the wilderness and righteousness remain in the fruitful field. In other words, judgment will be in the wilderness upon the world. But righteousness, righteousness will be on the fruitful fields. Is that okay? That's verse 16. Verse 17, and the work of righteousness shall be what? Peace. And the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. And my people shall dwell in peaceable habitation and in sure dwellings and in quiet resting places. When it shall hail, coming down on the forest. There he's talking prophetically. In the book of Isaiah, Assyria was referred to as a forest. So when the hail comes, it will come on them. 
the city will be, their city shall be like in a low place. In other words, it'll get flooded out. But blessed are you that sow besides all waters, that send forth thither the feet of the ox and of the ass, you'll be blessed. In other words, the best time to give is when the waters are flowing. Amen. Amen. When the waters are flowing, you can release the ox and the ass. That's your leaders. I prefer ox (laughs) to ass. Just my opinion. Some people, I might be an ass. But then God did use an ass to rebuke a prophet. Amen. And so the best time to give is to sow then when the waters are flowing. Amen. Back to Isaiah 33 verse 22. And so we need to be walking with the Lord, walking with God, getting into his presence. Come on, church. During the week, read the word, spend time with him, get into his presence, have worship going in your car. When you come to church and there's worship, press into the worship, get into the worship, involve yourself in the worship. Come on, God is pouring out. Respond to his presence. Lift your hands. Amen. When Pastor John says, speak in tongues, speak in tongues. Amen. So a thing that Tasha came to me, Pastor Tasha came to me, she said, she said, Pastor John, when you get that side, when you get to Ireland and Scotland and England, teach them to pray in tongues like you teach us. Teach them. Because it was more in the praying of tongues that I got healed of cancer than anything else. God restored me while I was praying in tongues. Amen? Come on, those are not just frivolous things. They're not just doing it so that I can just hear the sound of your voices. Amen? It's things that I do. You understand? It's in the Word. So listen to this, for the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king, it is he who will save us. Look at verse 23, I love it. It says this, your riggings hang loose. The prophecy now turns to Assyria, and the prophet likens them to a ship. It says your riggings hang loose, the mast is not held secure, the sail is not spread. In other words, Assyria, you are destroyed, you've come to a complete standstill. And you took our treasures, you stripped our temple, but I want you to know, that the abundance of spoil that you gathered will be divided, and even the weakest, even the most insignificant, even the youngest believer will carry off your plunder. Even the youngest, most brand new, latest born-again Christian is more than a match for the devil. Even a newly born again Christian can say, come out in Jesus' name. Even a brand new believer can say, I speak healing to your body in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 We can take the plunder from the enemy. You don't have to be a super highly spiritual serving the Lord for 55 years and knowing the Bible and being able to quote it backwards. If you know John 3.16, but it dwells in you richly and you know God, you can do those things. Hallelujah. Come on, we're going to, in this conference, we're going to carry off spoils. We're going to be taking back. In fact, from today, we're not going to wait for the conference. Is that okay? We're going to start taking back spoils. We're going to get back the things that the enemy stole from us. Hallelujah. Come on, we're going to take it. We're going to take not only the stuff he took, but the time we lost and the progress we lost in it all. Amen. I said it to you, I said it to you when COVID started, I said it to you, come on, I was part of a prophetic program, and I was the only one that said, listen, we'll come out of this, and it's going to go back to normal. 
I said it. I said the day will come not long. We won't wear masks. We won't need vaccines. We won't need PCR tests. We won't need PPEs. We won't need any of that stuff. They're going to take the screen down in the shops and the banks. They're going to take it all down. We're going to get back to normal. Pastors were phoning me and saying, what will the new normal look like? And I said, like, normal. <laughs> Amen. Come on, the enemy try to use that and the media try to use it and governments try to use it to intimidate us and bully us into a place where we're ineffective. And it's crazy when I was chatting to Jared and he said they are still suffering. Whole denominations are still suffering. They're at head office level, the pastors get together and they're still talking about the effects of COVID and what are we going to do about it? It's like, get off your blessed assurance, stand on your feet, preach with vision, go for it, take revenge by the anointing. Preach the gospel, lay hands on the sick. Let's take revenge by reason of the anointing. Amen. Come on, we got to get back. Come on. I don't know about you, but I want moves of God. Amen. I want water poured out. I want waves of the Holy Ghost. I want deluges. I want floods. Woo. I don't know about you, but I'm thirsty. I'm looking to the sky. My hands are up. Every morning I'm going to say, God, pour it out. Today, today, just pour it out. Pour it out. Holy Ghost, come. Amen. I told you the story of Abuna Simon in the cave church that seats 3,000 people. 200 imams, 200 arguing with him about Quran versus the scriptures. 200 of them. And there's Abuna Simon, Father Simon, sitting in this cave church on the side of the Mukatim mountain range. And he's sitting in there, and these 200 imams are arguing with him, arguing with him. It's about a 3,000-seater cave church, that one. He later built it more than a 10,000-seater. And a conference center, all into the side of this clip. And uh, I would meet with him whenever I was in Egypt, and then we would pray together. And um, he's sitting there, and they're arguing with him. And he's getting frustrated with him. So what he does, he stands up, and he goes, Oh, Jesus, I need more of your Holy Spirit. And with that, comes down the power of God upon him, but it hits the 200 imams. They fall down under the power of the Holy Spirit. 200, 200 imams laying on the floor, manifestation of demons, and it takes him and Father Daniel is the, is the other one that works with him, and he called another priest. There was three of them, and he says, from the morning till the night, we were just casting our demons, leading them to Jesus, getting them baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because one man stood up and said, I'm thirsty. And he became a shelter from the storm, a water to the thirsty, a rock that gives shade in a thirsty land. And 200 imams get filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on, church, there's a dying world out there that needs us to be watered places. Amen. That wherever we are, that people get wet around us from the overflow that is in us. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Isaiah 33, the last verse says this, And I will forgive all your sins, and no one will say, In Zion, I am sick. Amen. So the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord make His face turn towards you, shine upon you. Be gracious to you, give you peace. May this be a week of just drinking in the presence of God. May it be a week of overflow in your life. May the glorious Lord be to you a place of broad streams and rivers. I speak a restoration of your fortunes, of prosperity to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Come on. It's a place of commerce, a place of blessing. 
that you shall all increase spiritually, financially, health-wise, in the name of Jesus. Be blessed. Amen.